Welcome back to the Pixels Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and get hurt by. Um, it's so deep. It's so deep. <laughs> I'm Will, and that right there is our boy Blake. He's back. Should I dab? I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever I what feels I- right, man. Feels like I should cheer or something. Yeah, I'm uh I'm on day eight of the Rona, and uh, this is like literally the first day that I have felt good enough to do literally anything. Um, I'm alive. That's pretty much it. <laughs> this is actually a monumental episode because we both have COVID right now. That's so. true. You have COVID too. That's this right. A special COVID edition of the Pixelist Podcast. And this is going to um, be, if you're listening on like a podcast platform, this is probably going to be a really obnoxious episode because we're going to be coughing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like I have like a horrible cough. And me so, too. Um, maybe now that I've said that though, maybe now like, you know, like fate strikes well and I just don't cough anymore today. Hey, we can hope. Uh, so yeah. So apologies for any of my coughs that I'm not able to mute in time. Uh, you've been warned. Uh, but yeah, back together, man. It feels like. I mean, I know we we technically released an episode last week that was, you know, just me and Jeremy recapping the episode, but not counting that because it really doesn't count. It's almost yeah, been here's, like here's a month. I'll say to some of you guys, I saw some comments about <laughs> people being pretty high on Jeremy. And I want you to know, Jeremy is a stand-in. He's a fill-in. That's <laughs> all he is. So you guys who got super excited, <laughs> Jeremy, I'm coming for you. So he's shaking in his boots. Yeah. Is he hiding behind that green screen of yours? He is. He is actually. He's he's right here with me. He's jotting something down on a piece of paper with a malicious look. So <laughs> you're cheating on me. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's been it's been a long time. Yeah, because you were um and if you guys don't mind, a little bit of an extended intro, because this is actually the first time my friend Will and I we've sat down in uh weeks. Yeah. Um your trip to Iceland, awesome. It was it was amazing, you know. I I guess I brought home some COVID with me, but other than that, I think I got that in New York because we we stopped in New York on the way home. Like that's where our flight from Iceland landed. We didn't also go like separately to New York. Uh, Guessing I got it there, but anyway, Iceland was freaking beautiful, dude. Most beautiful place I've ever seen. Amazing. Would highly recommend it. Place you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it was my first time being out of the country, so it's not like I mean, I've I've been to a handful of places in the United States, some very beautiful, but Iceland definitely takes the cake. Just the wow. the natural scenery, man. It's like a it's like Jurassic Park. Like I kept feeling that way, like because you'd see the birds like flying around these like picturesque, like untouched by man. We got birds here, you know. <laughs> we do. Uh, we got some awesome birds. <laughs> uh, birds aren't real, by the way. First and foremost, true. Um, true. I mean, I got some awesome drone footage that we're gonna hopefully go through, and I'll have to send you some stuff. You should put some up on the channel just for the. It's not really like pixelist esque, but um, I don't know. Maybe someone will find it interesting. Yeah, if we get so, some, uh, I'll see what I can do. Maybe work some. We don't want this. Yeah, like well, unsubscribe. <laughs> <Break this> <laughs> No, actually, I saw you sent one piece of drone footage. Uh, awesome drone, by the way. It looked really good. Um, what was it like being unplugged it was, from the Matrix? It was nice. It was nice. We had a little hot spot like, uh, for when we needed internet, but it was good. You know, it felt like I said, uh, at least in most of Iceland, it's like few and far between like civilization. Uh, yeah, so it was just okay. kind of cool. Um, it kind of reminds me, the way you describe it reminds me is when I went to Yosemite with my wife 
And it was like the same thing. It was like a sense of like this hidden area, like in America, but like I couldn't like mentally wrap my head around like the beauty of the landscape and even like certain like spots where you'd want to take a picture, like you would take a photo and like you'd look at the photo and be like, this doesn't at all capture. Yeah, it just doesn't do it justice. Yeah. Yeah, right. So. Well, that's really cool. You didn't have to bring COVID home because you could have gotten it here. Um, <laughs> yeah, apparently. Oh, yeah. And yeah. for the record, we did not give it to each other. Uh, so we both just independently got it. Should that have seemed oddly sexual or <laughs> did I just read it that way? Yeah, well, I, I just was thinking to myself, I, I was going to be like, man, I wonder if people think like, oh, Will probably gave it to Blake. And I'll just be like, no, don't put that evil on me. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I was just curious. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> not there's anything Side wrong problem. with that. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, guys, it is so glad, it's so good to be back. And um, Will, I wish there were better circumstances for today's episode. Got a lot to talk about with today's episode. But before that, got a little little giveaway to talk about. Yeah, yeah, we're finally <laughs> announcing this giveaway. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're announcing it. Well, we're we're announcing that we're giving away something. Like, right. The, the giveaway is we already are giving it away. Right. Um. Basically, we chose we hit a thousand subs. So for you guys who subscribe to the channel, thank you so much. It is thank so you. gracious and kind of you to um, follow our channel. And uh, yeah, we went down our sub list and we grabbed someone randomly. And this person for subscribing to our channel. Uh, this person wins a um, year's subscription to dropout.tv. If they enjoy uh, Dimension 20 with Brittany Lee Mulligan, they win uh, a copy of Tal'Dorei Reborn, and they also win a cool premium dice set, which I'll get. I'll order another pair uh, to have delivered here so I can show it on the channel so Ooh. that people know, like, what was it again? Or can yeah. grab, like, a stock image. <laughs> but... Um, so we chose someone. Do you want to reveal who it was? I'll let you have the honors also because I didn't write it down. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the winner of uh, our 1K subscriber giveaway is Soft Girl. That is your YouTube ch- uh, YouTube handle. And all we need, we did this giveaway, then we realized you can tell how like unprepared we were for this whole thing because we realized we had no way to contact you so um if you'll just comment uh in the video below or if you will tweet at us at the pixelists uh we would be happy to make sure that we um get all that stuff sent to you mailed to you and we want to tell you thank you for subscribing to our channel and for everyone else you lose no i'm kidding (laughs) for everyone else we are super thankful and we'll do another giveaway um Sometime in the near future, I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, we probably, yeah, that's pretty much it. And I guess if we never hear from you, then we'll give it away to someone else. Yeah. So I yep. guess probably this time next week, if we haven't heard anything, we'll just give it away again. Yeah. So hopefully soft girl hit us in the comments, find us on Twitter. Um, yeah. If we never hear from soft girl again, then we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll redo the raffle. So she will go into the vault with the Witcher, <laughs> the Witcher two. <laughs> Of Witcher 2 fame. Witcher 2 and Soft Girl. Rest in peace. But a forever a Pixelist legend, so that's almost a good trade-off, you know? Yeah. yeah, you don't get your prize, but you do get, you know, joked about. So, yeah. all that to say. Uh, are we done with announcements? Are we ready to... I, I think so. I are we think ready so. to bring on the hurt? I think we're ready to, yeah, dive in and 
if you're uh, unfamiliar with us, we like to uh, recap each episode before diving into our discussion. Uh, and we cut that video out and host that separately on YouTube for your convenience. So if you happen to find yourself on just that recap, recap video right now, hello, hello. Thank you for checking us out. Um, if you enjoyed the recap, definitely check out our full discussion, which we will link below. Um, Sorry for how distracting my water <laughs> drinking was during that. You're I was fine. like, what am I doing? <laughs> Listen, we have COVID. Anything goes. Uh, but so, yeah, without further ado. I'm sorry, I had to cough. Um, let's dive into this recap. Uh, episode 33 of Critical Role. I actually don't have the name of it, but I'm sure Sadness and Regret is probably an apt, you know, Sounds about right. temporary yeah. title. Um, but anyway, so we pick up uh, with the party who are at the Seat of Disdain, the Paragon's Call hideout, um, last episode, and... We pick up with these Paragon's Call members like rushing through the halls, yelling like something is going down. Uh, they are apparently being attacked. Uh, also to note, there's this dust storm that's raging at the same time. And all of a sudden there's explosions that start to go off. Uh, two members of the Paragon's Call that are like running by yell at the party. They're like, hey, help defend the base. And the party essentially uh, splits into two groups. Uh, group one, we have Ladna, Ashton, Fern, and FCG. They're going to kind of stay here and figure out what's going on, perhaps plant the tracking ring that they had retrieved from the pawn shop in the previous episode and figure out who's attacking, what's going on. Meanwhile, group two of Chetney, Imogen, and Orem, they are going to go run and try to grab Treshy during this you know, perfect distraction. Uh, <clears throat> so group one heads out of their room. And they see that one of the walls of the Seat of Disdain has been completely taken by attackers. And the mammoth crawler uh, that they were loading up for this mission um, has already had one of its legs like completely folded in. Uh, the explosions were going off near it. Uh, Fern and Ashton immediately make their way towards some of the crates that have fallen off of the mammoth crawler and decided to look in them. Uh, there were these long vials strewn about and some liquid spilled. Uh, Ashton warns like, hey, like nobody touched this liquid. Um, meanwhile, Fern is able to kind of sneak some of the vials into her skirt and Ashton actually nabs a few himself as well. Meanwhile, Ladna has cast a spider climb on herself and is climbing up the crawler just to inspect things. And uh, it's then actually rocked with another explosion. So she kind of has to like dexterously get out of the way before it crushes her. Uh, meanwhile, group two has made their way down to the basement to go locate Treshy. Um, Chetney prepares to unlock it, but it's already unlocked. Uh, so someone has beat them here. In a rush, he kind of sprints down the stairs and doesn't accurately look for traps and trips on a wire uh, tumbling down the stairs. And Imogen actually, in an attempt to help, like telekinetically shoves him, but ultimately just pushes him further down the stairs. And uh, at the bottom, there's already an unconscious guard who's missing his keys. So they're like, okay, uh-oh. So they sprint down the hall and they see two guards up ahead who are like currently shooting something that they can't see around the corner. So they're currently engaged with someone. Orem decides to run up, sprint, head around the corner. And as he does, he sees that uh, Artana Vo is actually this assailant and uh, Treshi is still locked in his cell, but she's clearly trying to get to him. So they have a brief kind of combat encounter with Artana Vo. Um, 
but they are able to actually get her slightly bound up with a few natural 20s from the group. Orm rolls a natural 20 to, to bind her legs together. And he then actually hits another natural 20, I believe, which is a persuasion check to her. And they basically come to like this brief um, understanding that maybe they're kind of here for the same reason. Uh, so it's kind of chill between them for now. Uh, also, in the meantime, though, Artanovo had taken out both of those guards that were there. Uh, so Chetney goes to Treshi's door, trying to lockpick it. Imogen's like, yo, just jump in this hole. And she kind of like throws the portable hole under the the bars for him to jump in. And Treshi's like, eh, I don't know about that. Um, so Chetney continues to try to get the lock. He ultimately does get it. Um, but uh, uh, he rolls a natural 20. He's in his werewolf form, by the way. He rolls a natural 20 at Treshi and intimidates him to get in the hole. And so he does. Uh, Orm then cuts the rope binding Artanovo since they kind of have this brief understanding, but she immediately goes invisible and she asks, where are you taking Treshi? And Orm says, home. Uh, she then reappears, drops her invisibility at the top of the stairs and says, our goals aren't so different. Like, let's go. Uh, back to group one, Ladna is making her way back to Ashton and Fern, whilst FCG actually darts off in the opposite direction. Ashton's like, what What are we doing? And Ashton takes off after FCG. Uh, FCG actually finds a crawler uh, that's turned on its side. He jumps in, is able to get it right side up, and is like, I've got our getaway vehicle. Ashton makes, who was chasing him, makes his way to him, and they start driving back toward the rest of the group. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Ladna has actually taken a quick detour and with her spider climb has climbed up the wall, making it all the way to the top of the balcony where she sees Odahan staring at her. Um, Ladna's like, oh gosh, and casts darkness and then immediately tries to plant this tracking ring on her. Uh, she rolls a sleight of hand of 11 and just does her best, what she thinks is her best to plant the ring. Um, Meanwhile, Odahan, who is blinded right now, takes her strikes on Laudna regardless, but because of the darkness and Laudna's mirror image spell, which was up, by the way, I forgot to mention, uh, Odahan does not hit her. So Laudna then leaps off the balcony, Feather falls down, and actually lands on the crawler that FCG is driving, and Fern, in the interim, had hopped in with them as well. So now all four of them are in the crawler. Back to group two. Um... Imogen's talking to Artana Vo and is like, hey, play along. Like, we're going to uh, just pretend that we've got you captured, basically. And uh, she's like, I'm not going to lock these handcuffs, but I'm going to put them on you. Um, so they do that, and they're walking by. And they actually walk by the war room, which is where Ratanish is. So he steps out and is like, oh, you've caught her. Like, great work. And in a panic, Imogen just shoves Artana Vo toward uh, Ratanish and Artana's like, what? And immediately drops the manacles and goes invisible. So Ratanish is like, what? We have to find her. Like everyone find her. And so he rushes away to go find her. So then uh, the group scurries outside to go meet up with the rest of the party. Um, they don't know where Artanavo is. Um, group one has made their way in the crawler to the gate, but it is closed and locked. So they're basically sitting there trying to figure out how can we get this open? They try a few different things, but ultimately between, uh, Fern using her stonkies ring to tell telekinetically remove some of the bindings and Ashton hitting some and removing them as well. They're able to get the gate open around the same time that the rest of the party shows up. Um, they decide to head to Imahara Joe's and they all can't fit on the crawler. So about half and half are on the crawler and the other ones are running. Um, 
And as they go, there's somebody standing in the way, and it is Odahan. And she says, let's have a conversation, shall we? And as she does, these shadowy versions of herself pop up, and that's where we go to break. Oh, well, I don't want to do this. Good luck. So coming back from break, uh, and I can't remember, maybe this was actually right before the break, uh, Artonovo is actually going to take three strikes at the crawler, blow the front wheel off it, and the the crawler has to roll uh, like a save to see if it blows up or not, and it fails. And then so the crawler explodes, and Matt describes this awesome moment of... um, Odahan like cloak whipping in the wind. There's still this massive sandstorm that's like really hard to see through. And uh, the people who are on the crawler take quite a bit of fire damage. And then they're all sort of split on both sides of her. And like Will mentioned, she's like, let's have a chat. And Chetney's like, we're good. Uh, I think he actually says like, let's see what your insides look like. And <laughs> decides that he's going to attack her. Um, and actually right before this, uh, Odahan's actually asking like, who, what's going on? Like, who, do you, who are you guys working for? Um, Orem actually feels like this icy spike in his head, uh, which is implied to be basically like a, a, a version of detect thoughts. Uh, and Odahan basically says, oh, Lord Esteros, I'll have to pay him a visit. So then the party's kind of like, oh, okay. Like, so this lady's kind of kind of smart, I guess. Uh, and that's then when Chetney's like, let's see what your insides look like. They roll for initiative and attack this legendary fabled warrior of the Paragon's Call. And unfortunately, they all roll low um, for their initiative. I will say that Imogen actually, before combat happens, she's going to cast Hungry Torrent, which is like this this, um, whipping sort of like red electrical storm on on, on Adahan. And her little echoes actually... Um, even the ones that that succeed disappear. They poof into nothingness. Matt mentions to Orum, you actually notice the what you recognize these shades, these echoes, to be the gray assassins that you've been familiar with up to this point. You've heard stories of with other people. They attacked and killed your husband, Will, implying basically this was Adahan all along. Uh, so already the stakes, the weight of this moment is pretty high. Um, Adahan just takes the hungry torrent, stands in it. Combat begins. Everyone rolls lower than Adahan. Adahan charges forward to Ashton, the barbarian of the party, the person with arguably the most health or one of the most health, and in literally one turn knocks him unconscious. And this is the moment that I texted Will and was like, we're done. Like, <laughs> like we're dead. <laughs> Ashton gets knocked unconscious. Ashton is immediately like, okay, I was at high health and now I'm at zero. Uh, and the party is about to sort of panic. Um, Orum is going to pop a health potion into Ashton's mouth and immediately try to um, attack uh, Adahan. <clears throat> and basically the way the first couple of rounds go is Adahan basically absolutely destroying the party uh, is going to knock Orum unconscious. And the party basically has this moment of realizing there is absolutely no way we can beat this person. And there's sort of this back and forth of like, should we stay? Should we go? Like, we don't want to leave Ashton. We don't want to leave Orum. And they ultimately decide, we got to just get out of here. Like, this person is way too strong for us. Like, this is a yeah. bad idea. Let's get out of here. Um, so what's going to happen is... Um, 
Chetney actually continues to fight Adahan in a very cool Travis moment of sort of like trying to get her attention. Um, Ladna is going to flee uh, one direction, as is FCG. Um, uh, Fern is going to use fiery teleportation with Mister to teleport away. Uh, and Imogen is also going to misty step into a second floor building, trying to get out of line of sight and ultimately escape. The problem with this plan is they don't realize that Adahan is freaking broken <laughs> in this fight. Uh, she resummons the Echoes. The Echoes, by the way, seem to die with one hit. It seems like they don't have any health at all whatsoever, um, like actually like one hit point. And yet they do a tremendous amount of damage. Ashton, who gets back up, gets reattacked by Adahan, gets knocked unconscious again. Um, and uh, Ashton's like, well, great, I had some really cool stuff I want to do, but I'm unconscious for the second time. And also the party, they're sort of torn between like, okay, we want, we want to get people, we don't want to leave our friends behind, but we also have to get out of here. Right. So a couple of things happen. Um, Ladna, seeing Orem and Ashton go down, uh, is going to cast Wither and Bloom, which causes, if I'm remembering correctly, it allows uh, a friendly character to roll a hit die, uh, even if they're unconscious. So she's going to cast that on Ashton from, I think, 60 feet away, which allows him to get back up. And then I can't remember what it does to um, Adahan. Do you remember what it does? Um, it allows a hit die for the, your friend, but it does something to the enemy. And I apologize. I didn't actually know this ability until she started casting it. So Yeah, I'm not familiar with it enough off the top of my head either. So she's going to do this a couple of times during this fight, by the way. But so Ashton gets he he gets popped back up and immediately bolts like he leaves. He's like, I'm out of here. Um, Fern is going to cast Cure Wounds on Orem to get him back up. Chetney is going to continue to rail. Um, and Imogen is basically like, is this the right call? Like, do I really need to leave? And FGG is basically like mentally sending a message saying like, she wants you, she wants you, like you have to get out. Like you, you are like the prize that she wants. If, even if we all die, you have to get out. So she's continuing like out the window away from the, the fight. Again, this plan isn't working so well because, um, though Ashton gets away, uh, Orem gets knocked unconscious again. Uh, and in fact, what ends up happening is she actually has four attacks. She has three main hand attacks, so to speak. And then she has her offhand attack as well. So she's talking to Imogen, basically being like, um, and I think Matt even says like, it's almost as if she can detect other minds. So she's talking to Imogen, basically being like, you can't run from this. Like, you need to give in, give in to like that hunger, that storm that's in your stomach, like the dreams, all these things that have built up to this moment, give in and it will end. And Imogen's like, no, I won't. <laughs> you know, like pretty <laughs> typical, like I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, Fern gets knocked unconscious. Um, she actually is, uh, she uses one of her actions to dash. She has legendary resistances and legendary actions again, by the way, because she's a freaking insane boss. Um, basically tells Fern that she's a weaker Ruidus born, almost like you're not worthy of being Ruidus born. It's going to knock Fern unconscious. She's going to do something called a psi-powered leap where she jumps 80 feet across the <laughs> battlefield <laughs> over to Ladna. And Chetney's like, I think Travis was like, okay, so now we're, now we're definitely dead because... <laughs> 
I thought I could fight her, but now it's clear, very clear that we can't. Goes over to Ladna, knocks her unconscious. Matt apologetically says to his bride, hey, there's no one else for me to attack, so sorry. Attacks Ladna. Two uh, immediate death fails. Very intense moment. It gets back to Ladna's turn. If she rolls a third death fail, she's dead. So I'm freaking out. She rolls a natural 20. Here's Delilah Briarwood say, there's so much more for us to do. And she pops back up. Whew. Meanwhile, um, uh, sorry, this is all out of order, by the way. I just was, I was panicking <laughs> watching this whole episode. Meanwhile, uh, Adahan is going to switch places with one of her echoes to go back to Chetney. And Imogen, by the way, while Ladna was unconscious, was like, Ladna, are you there? Are you okay? And upon realizing that Ladna is seriously wounded, decides to come back. She casts fly on herself and sort of like flies up, serving the battlefield and begins to attack um, uh, Adahan. Adahan, who, by the way, is really not looking that rough, uh, most because the party's yeah. been running this whole fight. Um, if it wasn't clear they weren't screwed yet, I mean, they're definitely screwed. <laughs> and Adahan basically says, like, clearly I haven't. And also seeing everyone like getting popped back up. She's like, clearly, I haven't made this clear for you. Like, your only options to give in. And so she goes over to Orem, uh, has knocked him unconscious, attacks him again, to the death, immediate death fails, and then attacks him again. And automatic fail. Orem has his third death fail. And Matt says the words. He says, what are, what are Orem's last words? And... Uh, Liam describes that Orem has a feeling of immense failure, uh, his voice shaky, and he says, at least I get to see Will again. And then out of his hand falls the blue glowing sending stone uh, that he had given the other one to his best friend, Dorian, um, from previous in the campaign. And as Adahan delivers the final blow, she realizes we've met before. And Orm goes, yeah, and then sticks him. And Orem is dead. And then Adahan goes over to Fern and does the same to her. And Fern's last words are, um, well, what a wild ride this was. <laughs> she dies, has her third death fail. Chetney gets knocked unconscious. Um, Ladna, who got popped back up, gets attacked by Adahan again. And Adahan actually says to Imogen, this one's your favorite, right? And Imogen's like, no, like I give in, I give in. And Adahan, Adahan basically says, it's too late for that. Like you don't get to choose now to give in. Um, attacks Ladna, skewers her with her sword, lifts her up on the blade, two death fails again. And before the third strike, the third death fail can happen, uh, Imogen has to roll a wisdom save against this overpowering hunger uh, this storm brewing inside of her, and she rolls a natural one. And so the storm erupts from her. Matt describes this raging red storm, the sandstorm that was darkening the place around them turns red. The buildings sort of wither away, and then there's a brief moment of white light, and that's where the episode ends. Uh, episode freaking 33 <laughs> of Campaign 3 of Critical Role called blood and dust by the way real feel good episode yeah so if you are checking out just a recap 
and you want to know what we thought about the episode, we want to know what you thought about the episode, this incredible episode. Click the link below, go to the full video. Will, um, I was sick with COVID watching this episode, <laughs> and um, I was trying to get to bed early, and I texted. It was about one in the morning when I finally finished it because we were. It was like the two hour mark. Um, I think when Orem went down for the first time, and I texted you. I said, "If Orem dies, I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> But I couldn't stop watching, you know, yeah. of course. So I watched the remaining two hours. It was one in the morning, super sick with COVID. You know, my kids get up around like 637. They're sick with COVID. So I already know my wife's going to be like, why are you up so late? <laughs> um, so I get to bed. Little backstory. My wife has never watched Critical Role. I haven't really watched that much Critical Role. I've mentioned in past episodes, I've watched like maybe 20 episodes of Campaign 1, probably about 10 to 15 of Campaign 2. Well, what got me in re-engaged was my wife and I, we watched EXU together every episode, all nine episodes. We loved it. Um, loved it for what it was, but it was kind of our thing watching it every week. Uh, and it's what got her into D&D &D, actually. So now she's in my campaign. We play every couple of weeks. So we loved Orem and Fern from EXU. So I get into bed. It's one o'clock in the morning. She's like, hey, like what's going on? And I say, Orm and Fern died. Oh gosh. And she just literally like hand over her mouth. She's like, what? I was like, yeah. Dropping that bomb on her at yeah. <laughs> 1 a.m. COVID. Oh man. She couldn't be mad at me for staying up. Late, yeah, she but... she understood. Yeah, and then I had a friend of mine who I texted. Um, I said, Hey, have you watched it yet? And he said, No, not yet. And then he texted me the next morning. And he said, yep, definitely just uh, dropped a big old man-sized tear when <laughs> Orm got finished off. Um, so those are a couple of my interactions. Man, what was going through your head when this episode finished? Bro, this is crazy, dude. I, I, I think I texted you because I was watching it when it was airing. And I, I figured you weren't awake at the time because I hadn't been talking to you throughout the episode. But... Just, I was like, I think I texted you. I was like, dude, are you watching? And uh, I wanted to say more, but I was like, I can't say too much because he'll know that like something happened. Uh, so that was Dexter's brother. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that was actually my, uh, my, uh, my struggle the next few days is because I wanted to be like, ah, oh, dude, you should really watch this episode. But I was like, if I say too much, he's going to know something happens. So I don't know how, I, I don't know from your perspective, how I landed on, on which side of the line there, if I kind of gave uh, no, away just, that something just, crazy no, happened. No, I just knew it was a good episode. Um, and I knock on wood. I mean, I, I somehow avoided spoilers, but, um, you know, when you have COVID, you're not doing anything else other than just yeah. getting sick. And so I watched the, up to the first half one night which, by the way, the first half, like, I don't want to, the second half was insane. The first half was such just great D&D. &D. Yeah, like, it really was. Energy, like, and I don't know, I don't know if we can maybe park there for a second of like, from like a DM, like I put out the video on like DM tips, which I don't know what we want to call if we want to do more of that. What was it about that first half that made it so energized and fun? I mean, even when it ended, uh, Liam O'Brien was like, Matt, you are on fire. 
Yeah. Um, this table's on fire. Like you could feel that. Yeah. It was a masterclass in DMing because he, he ran two things simultaneously. We had the group one that was dealing with the attack and then group two dealing with Treshi all completely seamlessly with no initiative ever. Like he was, it was just so impressive being able to juggle those two things and never have a dull moment. Uh, and then of course, just the set piece, the setting of what was actually happening was also really exciting. You know, we have this attack and this, you know, potential kidnapping for lack of a better word, I guess. Um, first half was phenomenal. I even, uh, tweeted like or i don't know if i tweeted or was talking to somebody but i was like this would be such a fun episode animated uh and you I told said, me that yeah <laughs> i said that during the first half well, you know little did i know that this episode animated would destroy me if that ends up happening but yeah uh i'm right there with you the first half was so much fun so good yeah it, it really was and there were some really awesome natural 20s um yeah a lot half. i think travis hit like back to back natural 20s or close to back to back i think liam uh, did too yeah 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 there were just some awesome roles and just like the um the what was cool was like these small references to the storm coming in mm. and then it being like such an awesome like setting for what would be transpiring in the first half of that episode. Uh, like I could almost visualize it perfectly. And it's interesting because I think sometimes Matt gets um, like memed about like over like describing stuff of like, I think there's like a meme of like Matt tries to describe like how water tastes and it's like, <laughs> you know, an essay or something. Um, but when you think about from like a DM's perspective, very little actually described or i don't want to say very little i would say that matt's words were very intentional mm -hmm. um and i think that's a very it's an insight for all of us who ever dm in that you know creating descriptive landscapes for your party doesn't have to be overly fluffy or like you know you you all the way down to like the color of the soil um he described it you could visualize it and then the energy of the scene kind of took over, uh, which I think that's like you said, it's a masterclass in DMing for sure. Yeah. And what a cool, I'm just thinking about this now, but how cool that like we got the, you know, storms coming like literally, but also a storm was freaking coming with this encounter that they were going to have. So I don't know if he like, I mean, I'm sure he did. Well, I guess he didn't know that he didn't know that that was going to go down that way. So he probably didn't plan for like, the what's the word i'm looking for the like foreshadowing of that storm necessarily leading to this boss fight if you will but really cool that it worked out that way i mean i think i i would disagree in the sense of like i think he they had the set piece right like the set piece was there and i think matt even tweeted like it's such a compliment when someone can say the show is scripted because like i think people you see the set piece and you're like oh, oh see he knew like he knew they were going to get to that spot but like again, from like a DM's perspective, like you have these story points that you know, knowing your party, I think Brendan Lee Mulligan said it of like, when you know your party well, you just know what they're going to do. Like even when you like set out breadcrumbs for them. And so we knew the party was going to be looking for a heist. They were gonna look for an opportunity to get trashy, sandstorm, uh, distractions of this mysterious force attacking, um, so I, I think, I think he knew it was going to lead to where it led and allowed the party 
you know, <laughs> the party, you know, like let them walk into it. I don't know if he expected the party to basically attack Otahan like immediately. Um, you know, cause they're way out of their league with Otahan, but yeah, I, I, I think that obviously that whole scenario, there's ample opportunity for combat in a multitude of, of forms. Right. Uh, and I know Matt also like anytime that's it, like possible, he will prepare sets. So he prepares sets that like, just don't even ever see the light of day. True. Um, right. uh, so I'm with you there, but I just don't know that he necessarily foresaw this Odahan fight happening. Uh, cause I mean, you know, they, I mean, who knows what, what could have happened. We could sit here, you know, postulating mm-hmm. things forever, but, uh, yeah, just what a what an awesome freaking just set piece moment that that we got, regardless of um, you know the intention, I guess. Uh, yeah. So the party, uh, yeah, they get into this fight. Um, do you think it would have gone differently if they had treated Artana a bit more? Like, I got the sense of of Imogen sort of like pushing Artana into Ratanish. And then sort of behind, like after the moment was like, oh, I want to send a message. And it was like, oh, I can't, I can't see her. Matt was like, no, sorry. And then Imogen was like, almost like communicating with their DM. Like, I would want her to know that like we knew she would get away, but there was, it almost felt a little bit like realizing the severity of your actions and being like, ooh, that might've come across a little harsh. Like, I just wonder if maybe things had gone differently if they had been a bit more receptive to Artana, if maybe Artana might have even like jumped into the fray to help them or um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, what's your take? Yeah, I definitely felt like Laura was trying to kind of have her cake and eat it too with that moment. Like, you know, because that was a great out for the Ratanish moment, you know, like it worked perfectly. They were able to mosey on their way after they did that <laughs> but i think kind of the reaction of everybody else at the table being like you're already betraying her and she's like uh, uh yeah, right. she knows i was okay. just like kidding right so yeah. um i don't know like that had gone slightly different maybe artana hops in i mean we don't really know enough about her but from what i do understand about her maybe she would help just because they still have treshy and that's her mission right that could be the only reason I see her maybe jumping in or maybe she just jumps in to steal the portable hole and then gets her way, you know, cause I don't think she's going to be like putting her life on the line just to help the bells. Speaking speaking of Treshy, is he dead? (laughs) Not yet. Cause I, I haven't like looked this up, but for some reason I'm thinking 10 minutes is the amount of time that there's like air in there. And with 10 minutes, but okay. And you know, with combat, each round being six seconds. Like I think it's only been a couple minutes probably. Well, yeah, I think of that, but then I also think about the time leading up, like him jumping in the hole, them escaping, passing Ratanish, getting into the crawler, true, doing donuts, getting to the door, <laughs> having conversation with. So I think, I think from like, true. if you split into five minute halves, it feels like they're on the back half of that. 10 yeah, minute mark. I'd agree with that. So, um, so I'd say that like, Assuming, I mean, who knows where what's going to happen when we pick up with this next episode, but assuming <laughs> there's not a TPK and there is some sort of aftermath, I think they'll still be within the 10 minutes if they like remember in the moment. But like, if there's any amount of time, like post combat, and that's not like right. one of the first things they handle, then yeah, he is going to be dead. 
it's like that uh oh man what was that show where it's like i'm forgetting something important and he's like if you're forgetting it wasn't important and it's the sun like you know soaking wet at the soccer yeah. practice um <laughs> i know you're talking about but i i, just, I, just I don't know what show. Him, like at a tavern like you know taste of tel dore like eating like having a drink and just like they're all beat up and bruised like it's like we're forgetting something <laughs> Trash is just dead in the hole. <laughs> I mean, that easily could be what happens, honestly. Well, the good news is, I guess they've had at least a week um, to potentially plan here. I yeah. saw that, um, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but a lot of the cast likes to go to Burning Man. And I've saw on their Instagram recently that a few of them were there. Um, so I'm wondering, like, and this obviously has no actual implication on anything, but I'm curious if, like, it would be kind of funny if, like, this moment, this cliffhanger moment is like where they kind of took a break. <laughs> It'd be funny if they were just like dealing with all of this while being yeah. at Burning Man and just kind of letting go and being like, well, we might all be dead. But um, but it's also entirely possible that the timeline does not shake out that way. Um, anyway, my point was they've had plenty of time, at least a week to hopefully someone thinking of Treshy and being like, that's one thing we got to make sure we do. Um Whereas, you know, if this was all in the same episode, I could easily see them forgetting that and him being dead. But, yeah, you know, we'll see. So what happens from here? <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's talk options here. Um, I, I guess grand scheme of things, we probably both agree that it's a very real possibility that someone is dead um, after this episode, like permanently dead. Um, definitely possible. We've, do you feel like, do you, cause I've seen some narrative, some conversations on this of like, I'm in the camp of like shamelessly in love with all these characters. I want them all back. I want everyone, you know, you know, neat and tidy in their little, you know, corner, like safe from harm, like a true yeah. parent, I guess. Um, but I've seen, so like if they were to all, we know FCG has revivify, I think just one cast though. Cause he said to yep. engine several times, like he's been holding it. That's only has one. We know yep. Fern has possibly something. So they could, she has revivify. Um, Oh, Oh, okay, great. There's a little bit, we, we did a little bit of back and forth in the discord about this. Uh, apparently wildfire druids all automatically have revivify and they like always have it prepared. So oh, Fern has it cool. as well. Um, and I think the consensus is she either has one or two spell slots. So if FCG okay, so, can get her up, she might be able to get two more people up. Maybe. Yeah. So FCG could get Fern up. Fern could get Orem up. Chetney has failed a death save. I think. I, if if so, only one. I think. Okay. Yeah. And then Laudna sitting one, at two fails. Yeah. And Laudna, I think, is should be rolling earlier, possibly than other people. I, I think so. I think like I think she's before point. FCG, so like she's gonna make that last death save before anything happens. <laughs> oh I think. Oh bro, I'm gonna kill <laughs> but myself. But she only has to roll a 16 or higher, right? Because oh, of a uh, thing she has. Or maybe not. I don't well, know. Maybe that's something 16, that. If it's a 16, it's a it's a it, it's treated as a crit, right? So which means you come up. back up at one. Right. Unless if she gets a ten, she uh, she's stable or she's or just not stable. she's not stable, she's, but yeah, she's one success and not permanently dead. She makes it another round at least. I guess what I was I, I don't know why we're rambling about this. What I was trying to get <laughs> to was 
the conversations I've seen happen is, oh, but so-and-so could get this person up, you know, kind of like playing, you know, like Pepe Silvia with like, <laughs> this happens, you know, like the long yeah, yeah. form theorizing. Just coping. Pretty much. And then the other side of it has been like, no, like it removes all stakes from the story if death isn't permanent. Um, it reminds me of, I uh, can't think what TV show it's bringing to mind, but it was just like a show where you just knew like it never mattered if someone was dead because they could always get, get brought back. Oh, like DBZ oh, or something. Yeah, I mean, sure. Um, Frieza's back again. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, where do, you, where do you sit in this camp? Um, I think the, I think the people that are saying that like spell slots that are used to revive cheapening things is a bit ridiculous. That's a core mechanic of the game. Like it'd be different if like nobody had any spell slots, it was a full TPK and Matt just like, uh, you know, a seven, suddenly a party of clerics show up, you know, like that. I would agree with that. That cheapens the stakes, but them just using the tools at their disposal is that's D and D like, I have no issue with that. Um, I do think that the fact, I mean, I don't want anybody to die either, obviously, but I do think that the fact that that's a possibility in these stories and in D and D is part of what adds stakes and kind of makes it impactful and, to, to some degree. So um, I definitely don't think it should be that no one can die. Um, I guess, I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't know where I landed on that debate, but I guess I'm more team like deaths add stakes and stuff, but not to the level of don't even use your revivify spell. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I think we're on the same page. Yeah. Like I think the people who are like, someone has to die for the store to have weight to it. I think yeah, that's bit, that's no. Yeah, I, I think it's a bit silly. Um, and you need a puppy because you <laughs> <laughs> you want total sadness. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think I don't think anyone has to die for a story to be meaningful. Right. Uh, in fact, I mean the fact that no one is dead yet, and there's so much conversation. Like I was on the out of the loop subreddit because I was trying to, I was separately trying. I had heard there's a lot of controversy about rings of power and I was like, what's going on with this? So I was trying to find that thread, seeing if there was one. Mm -hmm. But then I found like at the top, there was a thread on out of the loop subreddit of what's going on with the latest critical role episode. Oh, really? I didn't see that. And there was all this conversation about it. So like the fact that there's so much buzz that that in and of itself to me communicates but the weightiness is already there. Like the punchiness of the story is already there. Um, and therefore you don't, someone, someone doesn't have to die for it to be meaningful. Uh, and I agree with you. I think the spell slots are there for a reason. I think that, um, you know, I'd go as far as to say like someone having to die for the sake of the story is bad DMing. And I, I, we, we've ranted and raved about how awesome Matt is. So I just don't see that happening. You know, where like someone's like, oh, I want to cast Revivify. Oh, no, someone comes and binds your hands and you can't <laughs> cast it. Like, I just don't see that happening. Um, yeah. But I will say because of how things are, um, limited resources in terms of spell slots, possibly a multitude of characters who are on death's door, um, very real possibility that one of these characters that we've said goodbye to them basically 
Yeah, I mean, agreed. Because, I mean, we don't even... Well, okay, before I jump too far, that was actually a really good... You set me up kind of nicely to, to to go somewhere. Um, speaking of that out-of-the-loop uh, thread and just the general discourse, uh, and pardon me for ranting here, but just the narrative... And we, we briefly mentioned the tweet that Matt sent out about the scripted game, but the narrative that, like, Matt railroaded his players because he scripted this or that matt i can't believe matt would kill his players like uh, it just drives me bonkers like uh, he he even i think sent a tweet out about this as well but like there's trust at their table like you right. know this is their game like just i don't understand unless somebody is like brand new to critical role this is like one of your first five episodes you've seen like how do you not know that like how do you not trust matt how do you not trust this table by now to like get all up upset about that and like accuse matt of like being sinister or you know setting this up like deliberately to to kill his players and stuff because like nothing could be further from the truth i i think it's awesome that matt like didn't you know put on the what's the word i'm looking for here but didn't like the oven nets yeah you know like (laughs) they (laughs) they put on the oven mitts exactly you know like this with gloves yeah i got it i got it that was it um you know from somebody who's i i don't want to even enter possibly somebody infer spoilers from this but like if you've seen matt like when it uh, and i'm just not gonna say anything actually but that's just not what he like i respect exactly how he played this and i think anybody that's like drumming up drama or i don't know i i'm yeah. i'm rambling but i just don't be ridiculous to those people i say yeah, to you i mean it's it's kind of like the curse of social media honestly is like yeah. you know the keyboard warriors who like have to post like their hottest take and that spills over to like the shows we love and enjoy we're like you know, someone has to have an opinion on like every little thing. And mm. this happened in Calamity also a little bit, like where people were like, you know, oh, Brennan shouldn't have, it should have been like, and like, I think, I think following with what you said, I think sometimes it's just healthy to just like realize it's okay to have a difference of opinion or how you would approach things and otherwise just enjoy the show. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, I mean, saying that with the irony of like, this is a, we review, <laughs> you know, all of our stuff. But I mean, there's been plenty of stuff, even with EXU, that was, um, I would say, generally panned. Uh, you and I, not I don't think we were wearing kids' gloves. I think we just, in reviewing the show, we said like, yeah, I wouldn't have done it that way. Or that's not really for me. Or I didn't really appreciate that. But that was like the extent of it. It was just like, yeah, that's not how I see it. Like, I think, I think, these individuals, if they had more of an appetite to that kind of dialogue, I think you would just enjoy the show better. <laughs> yeah. So I just, anyway. and not to, we can, I'll, I'll be done with it after this sentence, but the part that irks me is that clearly it's getting in front of Matt's eyes to the point where he feels the need to like defend himself by sending out these tweets. So that's just like, and I mean, I guess, you know, it's hard to avoid it, but it's just yeah. annoying that like, that's that hate well, reaches mean, him, you know? Can we can we talk spoilers for campaign two for a second? Um, yeah, like that's our campaign two campaign two spoilers. Um, when you see me do this again, as you're scrubbing through, you can know it's over. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> when when Molly Mock died, uh, 
which you know i just you aren't supposed to know this (laughs) (laughs) i just embraced it on youtube and watched it so oh you did the Uh, moment where he died yeah yeah Mm -hmm. uh because it was referenced i think in the comic-con panel or something and i was like all right i might as well just watch this but i remember reading i read something there was an interview with matt it was like a news article um where matt said he was either surprised or just I don't want to put words he didn't say. He didn't say, I don't know if he said overwhelmed or what the phrasing was, but basically said so much passionate reaction to Molly Mock dying. Yeah. And it really rubbed up against, um, uh, the way I interpreted it was that he was, um, not put off, maybe like a little surprised with this passion and basically had to reassure the fans like, Hey guys, like this, this is the world that the players live in. And more importantly, like you said, there is trust at our table. Like there's deep trust, um, which by the way, is another great DM insight, building that trust. Um, so the fact that not only was he having to sort of like put out fires back then to now um, two characters, maybe three. Maybe three, maybe more, honestly. I can't imagine the level of like... Um, antagonizing that the CR cast has had to withstand, especially Matt. And it's definitely kind of a bummer, like you said. But I guess that just kind of comes with the territory, the bigger and bigger they get, you know? Yeah. Um, well, it's a story brand. And yeah, I mean, by the way, spoilers over spoilers over. Nice. Um, nice. Other than the fact that season eight was trash uh, <laughs> game of Thrones, you know, it's like, you're gonna have people who love it, people who hate it. You know, there's gonna be so many like, armchair experts and how do you write effectively and all this kind of stuff. So CR as a brand. Um, and there's been times where Matt has even said, or the cast has said like, Hey, at the end of the day, this is less of a brand and it's more of a bunch of friends playing D and D together. Like that's what we want to protect. So I, I trust them even though it hurts. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so sorry for that slight segue. Uh, no, it was good to say, I think it's good. You said it, but Back to where I think you were leading us to is where do we like what happens from here? Um, is that what we were talking about? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I know you just recently were able to finish it. So I don't know if you've seen any of the theory crafting or any of that uh, realm of things. I haven't honestly seen too much. Like I said, we a few of us spoke a little bit in the discord, um, but I have seen some interesting things. Uh, again, just to, to lay the, the status here, we've got Orem dead. Fern dead, Laudna death store, Chetney potentially making death saves. Can't recall, but he can obviously just be brought up by a heal. Um, we might be sitting at three people dead. We know we have one revivify guaranteed from fresh cut grass. And then I think guaranteed at least one from Fern. Cause I'm, and we know she has the spell and she should at the very least have one spell slot, uh, but potentially two. And also the general consensus, um, was that they have more than enough diamonds to use Revivify, which because it, it uses a 300-ish gold diamond every time you want to cast a spell. Um, <clears throat> so there is at least potential for people to get brought back up, but we have whatever the hell is happening with Imogen right now. Right. This storm is whipping through. I, I've seen some people be like, are they going to all teleport to the moon? Uh, which... I mean, That's interesting. 
we know Ruidus is obviously at the centerpiece of at this whole storyline with Odahan and Imogen. Uh, she's wanting her to let go. Odahan obviously wants access to this power for some reason. I have to believe that it's more than just like a Joker esque. I want to like watch the world burn to see what happens. You know, to me, I feel like Odahan wants to utilize right w- what's within Imogen, and maybe that's to get to the moon. You know, for all we know. Um, Matt did mention everything going red, which obviously could just fit very thematically with Imogen's power and stuff, but maybe it's because they're on the moon now. I don't know. I've seen some people speculate that. Um, also, like, if, is whatever Imogen's doing going to be causing damage? It's destroying buildings. Like, I don't right. think Matt would make Imogen, like, kill her friends, uh, like, without any agency on her own part, but it is something to think about if, like, Maybe they're maybe we cut back into the episode and we're still not even at a place of like okay FCG go cast revivify like FCG yeah. might go down and then yeah we're I all mean, out she, of options you know she did roll a natural one which right right like, the perfectness of that roll I mean it was like oh boy <laughs> so yeah I mean it could be a catastrophic failure where like you mentioned someone like FCG goes down, then what do you do? <laughs> yeah. And at that so. point, like what, like, I don't know like we, there's no spoiler slightly, I guess, but not, there's never been a TPK on critical role. So like if that were to happen, what's next? Like, and I, I have seen some people speaking of theory crafts that they think a TPK is coming and it's setting up Imogen as the, the true, bbeg of this campaign and there's going to be a new party and imogen is the big bad um we talked about that early though we did talk about like the potential of that out as an option so uh not that an interesting of a take but (laughs) i think that's like a really fun theory and a cool idea but i just don't necessarily really see the the reality of that because if that were the case to me it would mean unless matt just made that the case in the past week like a contingency of if a TPK happens, then this maybe, but as far as like that always being the plan, I don't really see that. Cause it, to me, it doesn't seem like these characters have all known they were going to die at this moment. And pl- you know, like I, I have a hard time buying yeah. that all being the plan, I guess. Um, but I mean, a TPK could happen. So I, it'll be interesting to see how that's played out. If so, uh, I'm just kind of rambling here, but I, I don't know what to expect. I mean, obviously the other shoe has to drop with whatever Imogen's doing right now. Like, is she killing Odahan? Are they teleporting somewhere? I don't know. And then hopefully FCG's up once it's done. And then hopefully we can at least revive two people is what I'm I thinking. Don't, I don't see a TPK happening. Cause we know Ashton is like hightailing it out of there. So we know at least potentially one survivor. Um, True. I, I, I kind of even just wonder, like mechanically, like do Orem and Fern come to the session with like another character ready? Like, like what happens from here on out is what I don't, and I don't know past CR standards in terms of like what's happened previously, but like. I'm just wondering, like, what do they what do they bring to the table this next Thursday? Yeah. Surely Matt's like 
there's been conversation. Like I know Brittany Lee Mulligan in one of his campaigns on Dimension 20 told the players from the start, you need to have a backup character ready. Um, so they knew from the get-go they were bringing not one character, but two characters with two backstories. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just curious like what what the dialogue has been and like again, what happens this Thursday? Like you know, I mean, I don't know. I would say not knowing their filming schedule, like if there's only been a week between whenever they filmed this past episode and whenever the one this week airs, uh, which, you know, for all we know, it could be like, maybe that's when they took a break and they've had three weeks since this episode. But if it's only been the standard one week, I don't imagine like even let's say Orum and Fern die. I don't see us getting introduced to a new character from Liam and Ashley this week. Um, If there has been like a three week break, then maybe. Um, But if they are dead, I think they would probably just like get up, leave the table and we wouldn't see them again this episode. Uh, And then who knows when we may be introduced to their new characters. Um, So which character let's just grand scheme of thing, all the characters who are on the table. Mm-hmm. Which character are you in the grand scheme of the story? You make me pick. <laughs> <laughs> you do do me most, like that. Who do you feel most at peace with their story coming to an end? With like letting die? Letting, yeah. Man, and they like, all um, have such interesting yeah. pieces to go. Oh. But who do you feel at peace like letting go of like their story comes to an end. <laughs> no one. <laughs> but if you're forcing me to pick um, of those three. Yeah. Well, no, we can say anyone at the table. Anyone mean, we, on the we, table. We don't, mm. Obviously, I think the three are like the clearest people to point to. But, you know, with the storm happening, potential TPK, maybe everyone's on the on the chopping block, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could pick from those three or anyone. Okay. Again, not not that anyone has to die. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, as you cope through this, like I am, like, who have you said in your mind, like, yeah, I, I, I feel that I could see that person, like, I feel at peace, at least at more at peace with that person than right. Else. If you've gone to my head, you're making me pick. Let's just put that <laughs> parameters on the table. No bad juju on this answer, by the <laughs> and way. And also, <laughs> I'm gonna build some more parameters, just specifically to what you said in terms of like the story being like, all right, I'm at can be at most at peace with this because I think I have my answer, but uh, it's this, it's not my least favorite character. Uh, one of my favorites. So this has nothing to do with that, but I think I'd have to pick Orem just because in terms of like the story beats, we now like it's Odahan. Those were the gray assassins. So like we have the main, it's not like resolved by any means, but we know now, you know, like, okay. And we can start piecing these things together. Whereas if we lose Fern, there's so many questions like Fern. I have to feel like there's the most questions with all this time dilation, her grandma, you know, like there's so much left. I still want to find out there. And same with Laudna. There's this whole Delilah angle. Um, that's very interesting and that we really know nothing about still. So if you're forcing me to just be okay with ending someone's narrative thread, I guess Orum, because not that there can't be more to Orum to unpack. I imagine there is as we go. But from what we know right now, at least we have a satisfying conclusion to like the main mystery he's been chasing. 
Right. That being said, I love Liam and I love Orm and I don't want him to die. <laughs> <laughs> no, you said it. <laughs> what about you? Um, pass. <laughs> <laughs> what was the moment in the episode where like Sam Regal was like, did you just pass your turn? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I could, I could see, you know, Chetney's story coming to an end, even though there's like breadcrumbs with the other Bro, person that he hates. Yeah. We got to um, figure out what's going on there. Yeah, sure. And I could actually see Fern passing and, you know, them having with a heavy heart going back to her parents and then, you know, having to make their way to Morgan. Um, however, my answer would be the same. It would be Orem in the sense of, and it feels so bad, man, because Orem is like, I know I love Orem. The, the perfect dude. <laughs> he's just like, he's like, I, in my mind, the hero of the party in that has the most character, the most integrity, moral compass for sure. Looking out for everyone. I mean, um, and that was the case in EXU too. And not only that, but Liam plays the fighter so freaking well with, with so much interesting descriptions of like everything that he's doing. He is cohesive. He's like the glue for the party of like kind of getting everyone's crap together. Um, and it, man, it really hurt him facing the disappointment of i didn't avenge will um that hurt yeah so you kind of you want him to you know you want him to to you know bring justice to the world um but on the same token borrowing orem's words at least i get to see will again at least i get to be reunited um and yeah. like you said he he found the answer he found who the gray assassins were and you know so yeah, he gets to see Will and Derek, which is was news to me that Derek was dead. I don't know if other right CR historians, not that I'm one, but other people that have seen all the campaigns, if we knew he was dead. But to me, that was news. Um, and bro, I've actually I don't know why, just just to to feel something. I've rewatched that death scene a few times, just because it was so like soft. I don't know if soft spoken is the right word, but it was so like down to earth but like so real just like you could like you said his voice was kind of shaking just the immense disappointment and just that last like oh do i know you and he's just like yeah and just boom i don't know it, it resonated with me hard and uh again i know i just picked him but i, I really hope orm's not dead uh <laughs> <laughs> i take it back i take it back <laughs> um but bro also it's not really jumping too far away but freaking dorian man he was trying to freaking send him a message that's just another gut punch and like can you like i don't know if we'll see robbie at the table again but just a headcanon imagine like him finding out that both of his exu friends are dead like yeah. oof. oh and i also can't like confirm this but <clears throat> he was reaching for the stone i think maybe he really like before he died, like he actually was planning on sending a message and that wasn't just a, a fruitful description in the moment uh, because Liam is like writing in his notebook. And uh, I think, yeah, yeah. I saw um, that. Laura like tried to see and he like wouldn't show her. Yeah. So I'm wondering if he was writing his 25 word message like to Dorian and maybe even like we're going to like maybe Matt, even if he does die, I'm sure Matt would allow like a dying breath. Like I sent this last 25 message word yeah. message to Dorian and that's going to like 
break me if that's what happens but i'm also excited for it kind of like if he is gonna die at least maybe we can have that moment but um yeah it's gonna it's gonna hurt bro we're just over 24 hours from the next episode i can't watch it live unfortunately um but i'm definitely gonna watch it that next morning because i'll be under covid quarantine for you know next few days at least yeah um Dude, other thoughts or um, anything else you want to say about this episode? Let me let me just quickly, briefly gauge my notes. Real quick, did you have any... Sorry. I, I feel like I kind of just dominated the section where we talk about what's happening next. Do you have any particular like theories or guesses for like what's going on with Imogen, where that might lead? Like, Not that they're going to teleport to the moon or anything, but is there anything you've particularly... I don't know. I, I think I don't ascribe to the her being the big bad evil, but we know I'm gonna go I'm just gonna go and say it. We know Rudis is evil. As far as we know. We know it's evil. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that it's been calling to her, um, and that she rolled the natural one and it seemed to be unleashed in a very Gohan-esque moment. <laughs> it's very Cell Gohan, by the way, is what I kept coming back to. Such a great moment that and, was. Um, you know, Android 20? 16? Sorry. Getting crushed, like the head getting oh, crushed. Oh, yeah. I think you know? 16. Yeah, I don't know. I think so. But, um, yeah, I mean, something. Something is happening for sure. And I don't see it being good. I don't see it like you've gone super saiyan and now you have this new power. Like I I think this is a negative outcome. She rolled a natural one, couldn't resist it any longer, this evil power. Where we go from here, no idea. And actually I just realized I never brought this up. Um but yeah, it almost kind of seemed like also I think obviously narratively made perfect sense cohesive but it this moment with imogen could also kind of be in a way an olive branch from matt to be like instead of a tpk imogen do you give in and so maybe imogen and odahan disappear and who knows if we see imogen again for or you know maybe laura comes back with a new character or who knows but i could see imogen like being gone and that like the gift of that is that FCG can now get fern up, which maybe then can get, you know, so I could, I could see that happening. Now exactly what that means. I don't know. Like, do they just poof away? Um, but it did kind of have that, like it had that vibe to me. Like, like this is really bad. Imogen, do you give in? Like, uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm reaching there, but to me, it kind of felt like a this could be the way you sacrifice yourself but save your friends type of thing. Yeah. And it, I mean, it did feel like I think the natural one, because she, she she was very much resisting. I think she even said like I'm not going to give in just to like make their sacrifice worthless, right? Um, and I think even FTG was like please give in. Like, yeah. I think, I feel like there was kind of a, a wires crossed moment on like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Which we've seen like in previous episodes where like, yeah, there's like, that's happening. And you're kind of like, uh, like I think like Dorian trying to get the ring from Tresh. Like, <laughs> that's we, exactly we what it. I was thinking of. <laughs> we, we figured it out. 
<laughs> but it did almost feel like that was happening. And so I think the natural one was a really nice way. Yeah. For, um, and again, not to get into like the railroading thing, but like Matt said it himself as the DM, you're crafting an amazing story. Um, I, and so there are story beats that you have envisioned um, that you, those opportunities, when they come up, you drop them in yeah. uh, for the sake of telling an incredible story for your party. Um, so anyway, I guess we'll find out tomorrow, man. I, oh, yeah, I don't know. This, this, this is, this could be the before time, man. We're still living in the happy ignorance of maybe they all live and, you know, come tomorrow. We might have four people dead for all we know. So I, I regret enjoy this for now. Yeah. We, we've been saying that there hasn't been really a, I mean, we've been saying there's not, hasn't been a lot happening, but we have been saying like, it's, I think I, the phrasing I use was that it almost feels kind of happy go lucky or a little passe and like, you're like, Oh, we're going to do this. And like, all right. Yeah. And like, I think I said like the weight of calamity wasn't there. Like after watching calamity, like the vibe was different. I regret saying that. I wish I could go back to <laughs> hijinks of the party. I saw a really funny meme. You know that scene from Doctor Strange 2 where, where it's like, you do these things and you're a hero. I do them and I'm a villain. That's not fair. Hey. It was that, but it was like <laughs> Matt and Brennan and uh, Matt as a Scarlet Witch was like, you kill your whole party and people are like, it's brilliant. <laughs> when I do so it, I'm funny. the villain. Oh, that is so good. I'm gonna have to, you're going to have to send that to me so I can show it to my wife. Yeah, okay. I'll see That's if I can great. find it. That's perfect, man. Uh -oh. Great art, by the way. I wish I could. I wish I had that skill set, but the fan, me too, art, man. the fan art has been incredible. Yeah, it's sure. been helping me cope this week for sure. There's been some yeah. amazing pieces. Yeah. I The meme I saw that I've been thinking of is like, um, well, what is it like? Where, where were you like when men cried or something? <laughs> and it's like the screen grab of like, you know, like Imogen's like, oh my gosh. And like, um, Liam's like putting his stuff together, like <laughs> yeah, players dead or something. I'll have to find it again. But anyway, there were a lot of good like screenshot meme moments from the cast this episode right. for sure. All right, guys. Well, let <sighs> us know what you thought. Um, we got our thumbnail right. Um, well, let's not necessarily. I think let's oh, let's okay. we should just do what our guys doing on the shirt. I think that'd be kind of funny. Yeah. Know. Okay. My other thumbnail idea was like, you know, sheer pain and agony and misery. Um, that actually might be better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, just like, uh, you know. I'm down for know. that, actually. All right, let's do that. More vibe appropriate. Sure. <laughs> was, was dejection reading on my face? I don't know. You looked a little lost, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do it again real quick? It kind of looked like it kind of looked like a guy who was like, "What am I reading here?" Let's take two. Take a little bit quick. more emotion, maybe. All right, let's try it again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying not to laugh while doing it. <laughs> All right. Hey, you guys, let us know what you thought about the episode in the comments. Um, Soft girl, tweet at us or DM us. Um, and let us know, um, mailing address, info, all that kind of stuff. And we'll get that stuff shipped over to you. Yeah. Or also just hit us in the comments. Like, Cause I don't know if yeah. your Twitter name's different. I don't want to make sure it's actually you. So we'll, we'll get in touch. Definitely just right. comment us here, tag us on Twitter. We'll figure it out. Comments are the best for sure. So, all right. Well, 
the suffering continues tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Unfortunately. Thank you guys. See you. Bye y'all. <laughs>